Thank you for joining us today at River City Church, a church living in love. If you have a prayer need, would like to speak to a pastor, or have questions about today's message, please email us at info at rivercitysmyrna.com. For more information or to give to the ministries of River City Church, please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com. We hope you are encouraged by today's message. God Welcome, guys. This is one of my favorite Sundays of the year because we have guests. Um, not that the others are not amazing, but I like Campbell guys better than all of you. Just kidding. Um, yeah, so this Sunday is really cool for me and a couple of reasons why. The passages I'm talking about that I won't be spending a ton of time on are a couple of my favorites now. Um, one of the things I like about them most is how much they remind me of uh, what happened with Campbell High School and the way, the way that we partnered with you guys last year. It almost seemed a little freakish and, just to use a big word, supernatural for the way that it happened. It was, and a lot of you were here at that point, but we prayed for a few months about who to partner with and how to partner, and we knew if we did one, we wanted to do it right, so we didn't want to partner with a thousand things. Everybody in church has an idea about who you should partner with, and a lot of you have had ideas, and they're great, but we send it through a lot of prayer so that when we decide to do something in a partnership, we do it really well. We want to be good at what we do um, so that we can love people well. I found out my college roommate became the athletic director at the school. We saw each other at a game. I was like, what are you doing here? It's like, I'm the AD. And then I found out that Dr. Walker, or they said I could call you this, what is it? Dr. Walker. Dr. Walker. I'm sorry. <laughs> so sorry. She's the principal at um, Campbell, and welcome. It's awesome. So Dr. Walker, I don't think that we can all do that, though. That feels wrong. So maybe just call her um, Dr. Walker. And, um, and then I met the coach, Coach Brady, and just fell in love with him, found out he was from New York. Uh, is that right, New York? And that's where my wife is from, Sarah. And I've, I've made a decision not to judge her for that. And um, Right, we shouldn't. So um, it was just really neat and how it started coming together. Then, then I found out we had Luke here, who is Luke in here. He's probably wandering the halls. Um, and he's just awesome. And then we met the team, and 
And it just felt like so many things were happening that weren't us controlling it, that we were just responding and listening and obeying and loving. Um, it was m maybe my favorite thing that we did last year. I can remember being in this room, and a lot of the guys that are even here right now were pouring into my son. So to me, you had my heart right then. That we would, we'll come in here and we'll take all the chairs out. We'll put up two ping pong tables. We'll put up whatever the game is where you throw the thing. I never got into that much. I don't lose at it, but I never got into it much. Um, that's wrong. I shouldn't say that. So we put a basketball goal up there. It's not safe. I'm just being honest. But my son last year, and there were some really tall guys on the team last year. He, my son's this literally this tall. I'm as tall as a Turner gets. This is full capacity. So maybe, maybe kicker at best, college level. That's maybe best. But he was running around in here, and the guys were, like, picking him up, and it's my kid's favorite thing. So when they started hearing about Campbell Thursdays is starting back, it's the most, am I not, am I being honest? It's their most exciting thing. Are we going to Campbell this week? Are we going to Campbell? And we would just hang out in here, and there'd be sometimes 40, 50 Campbell High School football players. And just bravo to you guys. Man, you guys are so uh, inspiring. Not even that you're behaved well. I hate even saying that. That's just dumb. Like, you're just good people. And, like, we made the partnership last year thinking, God, we want to be used in this city. And we, want, we want to be an extension of you, not realizing how much we would receive from the partnership and really feeling like the actual benefactors from the partnership. Um, so I just want to say thank you. I want to, can we just go ahead and clap for them? So today, um, I just want to share with you a few passages, and literally these passages have broken my heart. I've looked at Scripture a new way because of them. I've been challenged theologically because of these passages. You're lying to me if when I read Acts 10, it does not mess with you. There's no way for it not to mess with you, unless you're just not able to see what's here. It's crazy. Um, but man, I, I told you last week I love seeing people connect. That's why I love doing Campbell, connecting with these guys, being in the locker room, um, being on the sidelines. I love seeing people connect. I, I particularly love seeing people connect that have no business being together. Um, that, to me, is maybe the best picture of Jesus and the gospel being present somewhere, is when groups or people connect that really shouldn't be connected, and their connection is maybe even stronger. That is what excites me. When I see that, I see the gospel, I see Jesus, I get excited. That's that's what this church is about. We want to be that for the community. And I kind of just know that if you want to be that, there's some hard lines that you have, that I have, that you really have to look at and say, is this a Josh hard line? Or is this a hard line that doesn't need to be there? And you have to examine it. And, and I feel like these passages I'm about to read you are about Jesus being sent in or sending someone into a situation to be with people that, he sh that people shouldn't be with. For the sake of the gospel. And then the fruit coming from that being something that, that man couldn't do. So what I want to do to you first, or not to you. Um, crazy Sunday. Stand up. Jump on your seat. Just kidding. I want to ask you a question. Now, for those of us who have the gospel, I want you to think about real quickly how the gospel got to you. Um, and, and you only know part of it. Just honestly, your story of receiving the gospel, you only have pieces the pieces that Jesus wanted you to see, or just the pieces you see. Now, I want you to think about the parts that you have no idea how they came together. Like the, the pieces that were moving, 
it wasn't just you did the right thing one day, right? It wasn't just you did it. These like stories that bring this gospel to you and the finger of God all over it bringing it to you and the pieces you'll never know and then the people in your story that had to swallow their pride. The people in your story that had to be with you when it was hard to be with or when you were unclean. I was unclean. I was definitely unclean. I had people in this room that penetrated my life to come in when it would cost them something in their reputation to be with me, literally. People had to sacrifice who they were in reputation, identity, and status to be with me. You guys know my criminal story. I'm not jumping into it again. How did that happen for you? Who had to listen so much that, that at some point they listened, got it, and gave you a gospel that you wanted? Now, here's, I'm not talking to the people who are still mad at God because you didn't even really receive what he wanted. You received some person's version of the, of the gospel that wasn't even him. There's freedom for you, for sure. But the ones of us that have tasted and seen how good he is and are like, I'm in. People had to listen. People had to put their lives on hold to get into your life and go where the gospel wasn't. And particularly to those of us who were dirty in the eyes of society. How the people had to really sacrifice to get there. How they didn't wait on you to become good, right? To become acceptable, to come to their church. But they went into your life. I would not be here without those people. I don't even know some of the coolest parts of it, though. Some of the best parts of our stories are the parts you'll never know. And maybe in heaven, I'll be like, tell me everything. And there'll be people in it that's like, really? That person? There's no way that that person was in it. And that's all of our stories. Because the way that God works through the Holy Spirit, and even through angels, as we're going to read today, is he gets this idea of a person or people or group that he wants to get this message to, the message of peace, the message of reconciliation, the message of restoration, and then he involves people, and the end goal is so beautiful, but in the process, it takes these willing individuals that say, I will get in there when it doesn't benefit me, when I might look, I might even, people might want to throw stones at me for getting in there and choosing to not side with society, but side with the gospel because it's bigger and more important than anything, even religious laws that we're about to read. Amen? All right. So, like 11 intros today, so you have to forgive me for that. I just do. And I, I was told this week, so I always ask my wife, give me some like preaching, um, something that helps me. And she had like this big one this week. And she's like, oh, I have preaching advice. I was like, all right. She's like, stop popping your fingers. I was like, oh, really? I just noticed I was doing that. Do you guys notice I do this? Really? You were right. I will stop. So I'm the only way I can stop is to hold my hands like this. <laughs> All right. Jazz hands. All right. All right, so I'm going to read John 8 to you. If you guys want to open up to John 8, it feels like we've danced around this passage for maybe two months. I can't shake it. It's for today. It's for you. I know that. So I want you to kind of go ahead and either turn to the to passage in John or go ahead and start to pray, God, where am I in this passage as I read it to you? Still cracking up. Sorry. All right, so this is John 8. But when Jesus went to the Mount of Olives, at dawn he appeared again in the temple courts, where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. Just clean that up a little bit. 
They didn't hear about it. They didn't get rumor of it. Caught in adult. That means literally somebody walked into a room. Not a good picture for anybody. In fact, we were in prayer, and I was like, I got a picture of this passage I'm going to show everybody. It's the, it's the passage where the woman's caught in adultery, and they're like, whoa. It's after that happened. So, but she's caught in adultery. All right. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. What a terrible morning for her. In the law of Moses, it commanded us to stone such a woman. That's an actual law up to this point, to stone someone caught in the act, particularly women. We won't even get into that, why that's, why just the woman and the, the, the man just was, you go ahead and go about your way, you know, you did nothing here, but let's kill her. It seems fair in the eyes of no one. Now, what do you say, Jesus? They were using this question to trap him in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, If any one of you is without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stopped, stooped down, and he wrote on the ground. At this, at this those who heard began to go away one at a time. The older ones first, until Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? Such a beautiful passage. No one, sir, he said. Then neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared, now go now and leave your life of sin. So, can you pull up this picture for us? All right. So this is um, pixelated. <laughs> That's awesome. Pre-HD um, artwork. I sent this in. So, so I'm, I'm guessing you guys can figure out who, who Jesus is here. And I'm guessing you can figure out who the woman is. And I'm guessing you can figure out who the men are trying to accuse her and trick Jesus. So I just want to give you some backdrop. The men up to this point actually have a case. There's actually a case. This woman is caught. And they're just following the law. This, this, this happened. So in this passage, Jesus saves this person. But in other passages, unwritten, right? There's more than can be written. This person possibly was stoned. Crazy, okay? Already crazy. The second person, um, the, the woman, is there because she's basically having to live up to every bit of shame she's ever experienced, and possibly the worst case in front of people who can now take her life. Awful. Like, awful. I've been in situations like that. You've been in situations like that where you know that you're caught, where you're definitely guilty. Um, and then you have Jesus, and Jesus is actually just doing what he does. He's not searching for this woman. He's going about his business teaching, and people are gathered around and so she's brought to him. And I just want to ask you guys for a moment. Which of these characters in this passage do you feel like you relate to most closely? Or, and I know that there's probably like a handful of us that are like, I'm totally Jesus in that passage. <laughs> before you do that, before you do that, here's what that means. Here's what that means, okay? You're willing to sacrifice every bit of who you are for the sake of someone who's actually caught. So that's what that means. That's what that means. That's what Jesus means. Now the woman caught, she is in a conundrum. She doesn't yet know about the gospel because Jesus hasn't died and rose yet. So she is basing everything that happens in this situation on a response from Jesus 
she doesn't have info. She's just caught, just caught. I don't know how to get out of it. I'm not sure how I got in it. I know that it wasn't good before. I know that I didn't want to be caught, and I probably didn't like the situation that led me to have this adulterous affair, but I'm here, and this is me. That's one. Now, the religious leaders, they have got some form of religion and feel right and can point to the reasons why they're right that are actually hard lines that everyone believed. So they're looking at these other people saying, she definitely was caught in adultery. This is what she deserves. They're not super interested in hearing Jesus because they don't really believe this new message of grace that is radically larger than any law up to this point. Crazy. So they're not interested in that. They're interested in it, it'd be this kind of like thought process. Like she did it, she should pay for it, and I don't really care what it means. Just do it, right? Get it done. She did it, she should pay for it. So I'm gonna ask you to pray with me. I'm gonna ask you to close your eyes. So Jesus, um, I love that you're alive and breathing and active, active in this room, even through your Holy Spirit, and just through loving us, God. I just ask right now that you would help us to identify with the people, group, or person in this passage that you're trying to speak to our hearts about. Are we here not knowing, pointing fingers at the the bad in society? Not knowing it, though. Still religiously seen. Are we caught and confused and really don't even want to be in this room and at this point would just like to leave? Because Jesus doesn't make sense, and we did it. Or are we Jesus? And God, I just know that many of us are not, and I'm the chief among those that are not, who would go on behalf of the one caught, not the religious, and sacrifice our whole reputation for that person. Speak to us, God. We have ears. Let us hear. We have eyes. Let us see. We are your creations created in the image of God. We are being redeemed. You are not showing us how bad we are to fix us. You are showing us where our heart is yearning to be home again with you. Today, as we go into this, I pray that you would soften our hearts, open our ears, break our hearts for those who have no way to get the gospel right now. Break our hearts for the unclean. God, I pray that you would erase some of our hard lines in this room that have nothing to do with the kingdom of God and everything to do with something secondary. We find ourselves in a political season. We find ourselves in turmoil in our nation. If we have hard lines about things that aren't your gospel, your Holy Spirit's the only way that can show us, God. Not another human can tell us. Help us to look into ourselves, not the other group. And erase some lines that are keeping us from spreading your love, God. Forgive us for screaming at the people that we know are wrong and not being you. What a, what a poor voice to be about what we're against. Help us to be cleansed of that, God. And if we feel so strongly that they are that far away, give us the love to go to that group so that we can bring life to people who are caught and in our minds should pay. Because that's the message of Jesus. And that's what I want to be, God. So today, break our hearts for that. In your name we pray. Amen. I'm still going to preach. So, all right. So now I'm going I'm to jump back into the passage we read last week. So that was John 8. This is Acts 10. I'm going to paraphrase the first 29 verses because I timed it, and it's three and a half minutes to read the whole thing. And my wife said that's too long to read in church. So 
I'm going to blame you for everything today. So paraphrasing Acts 10, 1 through 29. Basically, Cornelius, who is not a Jesus follower, who is a devout, he's actually kind of on the opposite team. He's with the Gentiles, right? He receives a vision from an angel that says, I'm going to send some men to you. I'm, I'm gonna send, I want you to send some men to, to meet a man. So he receives that. He's like, all right, this is crazy. I receive this vision. I'll do that. And then, and then another vision comes to Peter. And we all know who Peter is, right? Like everybody knows who Peter is. And in his vision, he's actually praying on his roof. And he sees something like a blanket, right? This passage we've read. If you want to read it later, that's beautiful. Come down. And on it are all of these creatures. And previously, a lot of them he couldn't eat. And he looks at it. And he's like, the voice says, you can now eat these. And he's like, no, no, no. No, I can't eat these. And the voice says, no, anything that I call clean, don't call it unclean anymore. He's like, well, all right, after three times of saying no, no. So those two visions happen, carrying on forward. Just one, one second real quick. Um, so men come, and he's praying on his roof, and he comes down, and he asks the question, why are you here to these three men? And they say, we're here to take you to meet this guy named Cornelius that had a vision. All right, let's go. Takes off and goes, shows up at a house. Walks in and says, listen, I don't know if any of you guys really know this, but I'm actually by law not allowed to even be speaking to you. But I saw a vision, told me to do this, so I'm doing it. And he asked again, why am I here? And then Cornelius goes into this. So this is where you're going to get some scripture. This is verse 30 in Acts 10. Cornelius answered, four days ago I was in my house praying at this hour. At three in the afternoon, suddenly a man in shining clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He is a guest in the home of Simon the Tanner, who lives by the sea. So I sent for you and immediately, and it was good of you to come. Now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. Peter has his option out. Like, this is Peter. Peter's like us. He carries the gospel. He understands it. He's personalized it. And he's living it, right? He's waited until this point to share it. Somebody had asked him the question, what is it you have for me? There's a really big lesson here. Someone wants what he's saying, okay? It could have been anything. It could have been like, there's a purple elephant in the hills, and this elephant's coming to help you. Whatever this... It had been set up so perfectly by God that this person had to be listening so clearly that when he relayed this message, this person was going to bite into it, and he did. And this is when he, and he gives the gospel, and it's a beautiful gospel story like it always is. And it says this, then Peter began to speak, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts men from every nation who fear him and do what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, telling the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what had happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached, how God appointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil, because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country and of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him, that everyone who believes in him 
forgiveness of sins through his name is available to them. While Peter was still speaking, and this is where it just gets even crazy. Like, this is already the craziest passage with blankets coming down with animals on them and angels appearing to multiple people. And this is what happens afterwards. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The the circumcised believers, do you guys understand what circumcised mean, right? Just clear, just for you guys to understand. And in this time, how important this was. Like, that meant you were a part of this family, and if you weren't that, they would do it. There are stories in the Bible where, like, people were joining the tribe, and they're like, all right, if you want to join, that's great. We're going to do an initiation. We're going to have a dinner. We're also going to circumcise you tonight. So... Awesome! Like church attendance numbers are are not happening in America. If that's if you walk show up today, and like, hey, we got welcome Sunday next week. We're gonna baptize at night and have a dinner. You, you guys, and we're gonna circumcise you. Nobody comes back, right? That's the gospel. So this is a really big deal that this happens. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. These are uncircumcised people, and they're now speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, can anyone keep these people from being baptized? He's like doing this in his brain. At this point, he's put so much together that he doesn't really have to be like, all right. All right, so you're saying they're a part, and now that means they can be a part of our family, and baptism is a sign, I'm a part now. Let's do this, right? Let's baptize people. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. I love this passage. It is craziness. Here's one of the big reasons why it's crazy. Peter has his whole life believed this one thing and that this is the way to do it. And there's no other way. He's visited, we were talking about this in our life group, and he's told one time, three times, one time. By the time he leaves, he's willing to break every law that was his before that. Think about this. And punishable by death. Something happened in an interaction where he was like, this hard line that I had, it's not there anymore. And then he goes instantly and travels to a house with people he should not be with. And it's not like us. Like, the best I can think of it is like, let's just throw out Democrats and Republicans. I'm not getting on a political, that's not what I'll ever do from here. That's not my job. So if you want me to do that, you're never going to get it. But think about it. Like, even if that's as tense as it gets as angry as you would get at this person. If this person was giving birth in a street, because everybody does that, right? (laughs) You would help that person, right? There is actually written stuff about them not helping the Gentile in that scenario. So even think about the person you wouldn't. I don't know that there's anybody on this planet giving birth. I'm not going to be like, I know that this person just did this, but all right, I'll give it her just like, think about it. Who is that? And I'm put the awful, like the really awful people that are in our world today trying to harm everyone. Like, even then, like, that's what this was. You're not allowed to help them. Don't look at them. Don't touch them. If you touch them, go outside of camp and clean yourself. Don't. Don't go there. Don't help them. Don't talk to them. Definitely don't talk to their women. They're not as good as you. They're not nearly as good as you. You're the select. You're the select. Do not waste your time on them. Go around them. Veer away from them. All of that, and in one passage, in one situation, it's changed. Now I know that there is no people better than other people. 
and there is no unclean. And he's saying that about a group of people before they have received Jesus. Your theology should have just exploded. And he's saying, go, be with them now. And I love how Peter didn't show up and was like, all right, I'm Peter. You're going to know me as the rock. Eventually, they're going to be reading about me in Smyrna. I'm pretty much a big deal. So God gave me the gospel, and here's the gospel. And he, I love it. These three people show up at his house, and he says, okay, you're here. I was on my roof praying. I got a vision. Why are you here? I'm here because we also had an, a vision through Cornelius, and he wants you to come to his house. All right, let's go. Gets there, walks in, says, I'm really not supposed to be doing this, but I'm doing it because Jesus is greater than any dividing line beforehand. So Jesus is great. Like, picture, like, over there. I can't, like, Jesus is greater than any hard line we had before. So I'm here, and I love how he doesn't say, and I got the gospel, and here it is, and you're going to listen. Ask another question. Why did you send for me? Like, why am I here? There's such humility in that. He is in this equation the only one who has the message. He is the one who literally can bring freedom through the message. And he does not show up demanding that it's his way. He shows up in a house he shouldn't be in, and he asks, what, what if they just said, we, we, we heard that you guys made really good pink Kool-Aid, and we're going to talk to you about another thing we have, but I need you to make pink Kool-Aid. What, what if? There was space for that. Anything. Why, did, why, why am I here? Like, if there was more Christians that were willing to do that in a world with people who already doesn't really want our message, especially in the South because it's so diluted, everyone knows the gospel of Jesus, right? Pretty much everyone knows about Jesus. He died on the cross. You're going to pass something that's a cross on your way home. So, so the only way it happens now is through your actions. Your words are beautiful. But even in the passage in John 8, the only reason he's able to say in the end, go and sin no more, is because he's shown her something more beautiful than that before that. He's shown her something more beautiful than, what if he had just showed up in that passage? All right, go sin no more. You're a sinner. Awesome. Thank you. I already know that's why I'm standing in front of you. This is terrible. I'm in shame. But he gets with her when it still cost him something. And he kneels with her, and he's with her, and he's the one who brings freedom, and it's not because of his words. At that point, go and sin no more was good news. Because she didn't want it. But the way that we speak our message sometimes is not good news. And the only way it's good news is if you can listen like Peter. He listens to angel. Man, if an angel shows up, you're listening. I don't care. But today, right, we have the Holy Spirit. It wasn't even... It wasn't even around. I mean, it was, but not like. There are pockets in the Old Testament where you see the Spirit of God. It's been unleashed on all believers. And so for us, we go into situations listening because each recipient will receive good news differently. So we have to walk in saying, to whatever hard line we have, and all of us have them, right? All of us have them. God, I want to be really honest about something. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm just going to do it. I always do. So, all right. I was, a part, I was a part of a denomination for a long time, and this might draw some hard lines for some of you. And um, I signed this petition that you're not allowed to drink alcohol in this denomination. And basically, if you drank alcohol in this denomination, you were going to hell. Um, that's just the way it was. And so I, I didn't drink because I didn't want to go to hell, of course. I mean, that sounds terrible. But also just because I, I wrote it, and then... I met our network, and in our network, it's not like the glorification of alcohol and like, 
drink. But it's different, right? It's, it's about self-control. It was really hard for me in the beginning. This was a really hard thing for me because my whole life, alcohol was something evil, right? And what I grew up in, it's over there. And so it was like, ooh, it's over there? So if I wasn't like living for God, I was like, I'll be over here. You guys enjoy over here. And so I, through my, honestly, through my wife, she, um, she drinks a lot. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, so she, she doesn't really drink a lot. She can have a glass of wine, and that's it. I don't even understand that, literally. And I'm, I'm going to be even more honest. So after we left the denomination we were part of to join the Transformation Network, I was like, all right, it's not anymore this, this cow that can be tipped over. Let's just see. <laughs> this is one of those I'll regret later, but it feels so good right now, you know? <laughs> so I was like, I'll just have a glass of wine. And um, a glass of wine turned into a bottle of wine. And I knew for me, this was a hard line. So for me, this guy does not need to be drinking. Because when I drink, <laughs> it's going to be a party. Like it's <laughs> One equals like 11. I'm just being honest. So I knew, like for me, it's self-control. For her, it's self-control. That's a hard line that I entered, that I had to see people do it in a healthy way. And I'll even say so much to say that that, that sacred cow, I actually want my children now to see people drinking responsibly. Because then it's not this secret thing to like, you know what I'm saying? Like for me, it was like, I can't do this, I'm doing it. Sorry. And I'm doing it in like large quantities. <laughs> so... So for me, that was a hard line, and I, I really had a problem with it. It was a real struggle for me when people, when I was around people that drank excessively and in our network, we had people that make beer in our church. <laughs> so, so, so God really like worked on my heart to say, this might not be the kind of hard line that it needs to be. Examine it. And he was right. He was right. It's, it's a more of a, the hard line is actually self-control. It's can you, can you be self-controlled? And so for me, I, I know self-control for me is, I, don't, I didn't plan on teaching on drinking. Like, what's going on? Y'all are like, email's coming. So I'll say this to you. I'll say this to you. What hard lines would keep you from giving the gospel to people who need it? And if, if there's a group of people, you're like, I would, ne I would never take the gospel to them. That's not Jesus. That's not, that does not mean that if you're like me, you show up at bars and that's your ministry every night. That's stupid, okay? That's not where I need to go do my, full, my ministry because I'm probably going to be the one being ministered to in like a week. <laughs> so you know your hard lines though, right? So what if it's like Peter? What if we have hard lines right now that really aren't that important but are so believable because we've believed them for so long? Like Peter in the actual written covenantal law. That is baffling. That should destroy theology, some of the theology we have. This is actual covenant law written by the hand of God to help people not mess up. And Jesus comes and Jesus says, this is how it was, this is how it is. And Jesus' gospel of peace, right? He's the prince of peace. He's a reconciler. He brings people together. He destroys barriers. He says this is actually more important than those, than those things that were separating us. So I guess my message to you today, can you pull that picture back up for us, please? I love how in this passage, or even in Peter's life, you see this process. In the beginning, when you start hearing about him, he's collected by Jesus, and he's zealous. 
And why would you stop and talk to them? And why would you help them? And don't give them your time. And then you see him being told by Jesus, you're going to actually pretty soon deny me three times. Like, no, he doesn't. Then you see him like the woman caught in adultery. Like, what have I done? Like, in this place to receive the gospel. And then you see the point of this passage, which is to become Jesus. You see him later in Acts 10, inserting himself into situations for the sake of others only, and there are no more hard lines, right? He's there for the gospel, and the gospel is more powerful or greater than anything. And the fruit from doing it that way meant that a whole half of a group of people in a whole area received the good news. And that's the message of Jesus. So today, if you'll Look at this picture with me. Is that up there? I just want to give you space to let him speak. Where are you in this picture? And what is he moving you towards? To chum your, your brain's waters. Are there hard lines that really don't need to be hard lines? Are you listening? Are you listening? That's the beautiful thing about Christians right now. We can listen. And be led by him. And not only to God, are you listening to the people? Are you giving space for someone to say, tell me what you need? I know you need the gospel. That's big. But tell me what you need. Why are you here? Why am I here? If you ask both of those questions, why are you here? Why am I here? If you just do those two things, you learn so much. Context is huge for the gospel. Understanding, right? Proverbs 3, 13 through 18, like, it's like a tree of life to understand, understand more. The gospel's gonna be put in the right spot at the right time and it's gonna be good news if you'll listen to the people around you and to God and if you're willing to look at a hard line that doesn't need to be a hard line anymore. And Jesus is just bigger and better. So, if you'll close your eyes with me. Father, I just remember being um, outside of a church when I was a teenager and feeling really dirty and really unclean. That was actually just what I thought of myself. It wasn't like, am I? It was, this is who I am. Like, these people, of course, won't want me here. And I just remember these people that just sat with me and listened and didn't try and fix me, but put themselves in my life. And then at the right moment, man, you just, you gave the gospel in such a way that it became good news to me to where I wanted it. In this room right now, there's people who feel shame, who feel distant. There's even people who have told you why you should feel shame and feel caught. And until you do this, I just ask you to picture Jesus sitting right next to you saying, I'm here. Where are your accusers? And hear the words, go and sin no more, as an invitation to beauty not as an indictment to how bad you are. I want this kind of freedom you're experiencing right now where I send away your accusers, where you have life and know you have a place, where you have identity. I want this for your whole life. So go and sin no more. Hear him beckoning your heart's language in words that you understand that would actually be good news. Come, dine with me, sit at my table. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's form-fitted to what you need to hear to make you taste and see that he is good 
so that you would do what it says in Romans 8, believe and confess. And then you can become a Peter to a generation that's fighting one another. Okay, now open your eyes. The last thing I'm going to say, that picture, we think it's about the woman getting Jesus and it's about the men getting Jesus, and that's awesome. This picture is about the women and the men becoming family. That's the gospel. Jesus does his job. Those people fall in love. It's not there yet. It's not there yet. But we're being invited and encouraged to go there. Will we love our enemy? When we look into the face of our enemy, do we see our brother? And Jesus sets our hearts cry. So, Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your words, all the stories, all the intros. I just pray that as people leave today, they see and sense your loving call. Come home, come be with me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now we're going to do something. We're going we're to pray over Campbell. It's going to be awful for you and awesome for us. Um, just kidding. If you guys, actually, the team, if you wouldn't mind coming up to the front and maybe turning, and M Mike Moon actually brought his whole setup for this. Feels excessive, but I like, I mean, <laughs> it's, uh, it's going to be a beautiful picture, though. So, Campbell, could you guys come up? Any, any families with Campbell? Anybody who served Campbell last year, raise your hand. I want you guys to join as well. Um, Dr. Walker, would you mind coming up? Um, and we're going to, if it's all right with you guys, we do this session, we're going to pray over you, and then we're going to take a picture, okay? So go ahead and make your way up, if you don't mind. You guys can stand here and face that way. Thank you. All right, now people who served last year at Thursday's Interim Devotion or went to the games and helped, please come up and join, because this is your invitation to do it again. Um, so go ahead and come on up, everybody that served. Is Luke here? He's already up here. Luke in here? Luke's over there. All right, anybody else out there served that's just nervous about coming up here? All right, so here's what we're going to do first. So we want to we partner with you guys, and we want to pray with you. So if, if people who would love to pray would now come, we're just going to if it's all right with you guys, we're going to put our hand on your shoulders um, like we did last year and just pray for you. So anybody who loves to pray or would love to pray, please go ahead and come up. All right, and then, um, Ken, do you want to, do we have the mic somewhere? Can one of you guys hand me that mic? No, you're good. This is just prayer. Anybody can get in front. Ken's going to lead, and then uh, we're going to popcorn it if somebody else wants to pray over him. Thank you again for joining us today, and please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com.